Walter, what's uh, what's something simple that makes you smile? <clears throat> okay. Uh, simple. Five. Four. Podcast. <laughs> no <away>. pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, that, uh, that was very random. Okay. Seeing my son smile, I, I guess it's like the purest form of happiness and it just makes me smile and that's I, I think that might be it right there I love it how about you yeah so uh, for me it's a really bad dad joke okay like what well I don't have one for you <laughs> <but> I, mean, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like you would be that guy to have dad jokes on, oh yeah on well, that's how I get my son to like clean his room because I right. threaten him with dad jokes like if you don't make your bed like I'm gonna read a dad joke Right. And I just pull it off my phone. So it yeah. works every time. So yeah. It's the best way to like manipulate your kid. Sure. <laughs> I love it. How about you? <clears throat> oh, man. I'd say similar to Walter, but my daughter, my little girl, she's uh, that smile and her sassiness um, all the time, no matter how my day's going, she's able to make dad smile. Yeah, I can relate to that. I have a three year old niece and she's like the cutest thing ever, just like playing with her, like pushing her on the swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she's so cute. It's adorable. Yeah, because like when you hang out with them, that you almost like feel like a kid more. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're like more present in the moment, all that stuff. You want to pull a card? Yep. Here we go. Okay. Nothing's weird gonna come out of this, right? Like <laughs> this game. Yeah. This game is it's called uh, "How Deep Will You Go?" Oh. Um. So it's like the deepest questions you can think of. So do I ask you guys this? Sure. Okay. What has life taught you recently? What has life taught me recently? Well, we're actually at an event right now. It's called Wealth Mastery. And uh, I learned that I need to start investing in my future. Um, yeah, just putting money aside, saving money. So, yeah, that. Perfect. What about you, what about you Jesse? What is life teaching me? Oh, man. Um, struggles. And um, it's not getting any easier. And I need to be doing things that are uncomfortable and and um, and be an adult, I guess. You know, some aspect. I was always thinking I always had time. And older I'm getting, that time's closing. Mm. So it's, a, it's been teaching me a lot. And it's scary. Um, but, yeah, it's something that, um, you know, again, you learn this today, this this weekend, and life uh, wealth mastery is is being res- taking responsibility, right? So, um, doing that and you know tightening up my 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 belt on my belt buckle and let's go, you know. Sure. Move on. I was uh, just uh, putting the or I was finding the videos from Mission Mindset Adventure like going in the past, and I, I just watched your video like a week ago. And it's like, I, I, it's such a good video. It's so inspiring. It's really not like the video itself. It's just like the story of the video and how you conquered that mountain. Um, so we, we climbed the 14,000 foot um, Colorado mountain. Um, Jesse, I don't think you knew what you're getting yourself into. No idea, dude. I, I went there like how I, I do everything in life, right? And I paid for it when I'm paying right now in my life. And I'd go there. I had like a 20-year-old, 19-year-old mentality. Like, oh, it's just hiking, right? right. I'm just walking. And no, it, it it was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. Mm. And 
Um, How many times did you want to quit when you were climbing that mountain? Hundreds of times. Yeah. Joshua told me, you could, we could stop right here, mm-hmm. you know? And I said, fuck that, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, there's no way I'm going to wait for all you guys. I don't know how long it's going to take. And there's no way I'm going down here by myself. I don't know where to go. And <laughs> I, the only way is up, right? Mm-hmm. And I did it. And it was to the point that I got up to the top. And I wanted to really enjoy the moment. But mentally, I was completely exhausted. Right. Um, and I just wanted to get the hell out of there. <laughs> I'm sure. And then, it, and then it started downpouring on you guys, like a thunderstorm on top of a 14,000 foot mountain, like lightning and thunder, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, sleet, all that stuff. And then the trails that were going down end up being like streams of mm-hmm. water. Yeah. So coming out there drenched. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had to go to the supermarket and get some water and going into the supermarket it felt so cold. You know, it was like 80 degrees out. I'm mm-hmm. with the sweatshirt, sweatpants. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, people are looking at me all weird yeah. and shit. And but we got back to the Airbnb before you guys and we weren't sure if you made it to the top or not. Because we didn't- <laughs> Did we this didn't guy have, go to the hospital? Yeah, because yeah. we, we had no idea because, uh, we you know, we got there before you and- uh so when you came in, we're like, did he finish? Did he finish? And then we found out you did. And everyone was so pumped. Yeah. It's such a cool story, man. Thank but uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll always remember that for I, sure. I love that. And I had to put it on Instagram. I'm like, I have to yeah. share this because it's a meaningful moment in my life. And oh, yeah. A moment that I'll never forget. Yeah. And it's like, what else could you do after that? And know? I hope you like one day, like both my kids mm-hmm. watch it, like watch it again and again. My son sure. watched it and he just said, eh. Like whatever, like there's no, it it doesn't get it yet. Yeah. And hopefully one day they will. Definitely. Thank you. you Absolutely, man. Awesome. I want to dive into your story a little bit because I know you've. Yeah, sure. uh, You were telling us a little bit about, you know, your military background and all that. Yeah. Um, So yeah, tell us, you know, you were, uh, you trained with a dog and stuff. Tell us, you know, a little bit about your military background, your past with that. Yeah. So you want me to start at the beginning or kind of where? Wherever the most exciting part starts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's all really exciting yeah. um, and interesting nonetheless. Um, Let's get a little closer. Yeah, sure. Um, so the, I, I probably would say the most exciting part really was getting out of canine school. And at that point, like getting ready to become a dog handler. Because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Mm. And you know, you, you essentially, at least at that time, you got a crash course. Like literally I watched a video. It was like, you know, those typical things you see in the recruiters office. Like, yeah, you want to like do cool stuff and blow stuff up, right. do this, you know? And it's like, yeah, of course I do. I'm <laughs> 17, man. I want to tear it up, you sure. know? So, you know, once I got into that, that, um, field, it was just, it was amazing because you had all of this control and power in your hands at 17 years old. And when you're brought out on scene, you're in charge. So, you know, they made that really clear. Like when you're called to action, the dog handler's in charge. Rank goes out the window. Seniority, all that stuff doesn't matter. The dog handler becomes in charge. So you have this sense of responsibility that's just beyond belief. Like, you know, I've literally, like, asked generals i'm like excuse me sir you know i'm coming through here you know and it's the coolest thing in the world but at the same time it's terrifying because there's a lot of responsibility yeah. that you have to do or take on to do your job effectively right? right so it's just it's it's incredible yeah so you went through all the training with that and i know you're telling us like a like a bomb story before yeah you're with this dog your dog found a bomb then you 
I guess you were on top of a bomb for a little while. Yeah. You had to wait for hours on top of this bomb. Yeah. Uh, kind of like a movie scene. Yeah. You know, um, tell us that story. Yeah. So let me get it at the beginning of that because there's yeah. a part that I didn't give you, which sure. was actually pretty epic and funny. So, you know, you, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into when you're joining the military, unless you have maybe somebody directly related to you, like a brother, a father, who's maybe you're experiencing it some way, maybe you're a military brat. I had no idea. I come from a long military family, but I didn't have any direct, anyone in my direct family, you know? So here I am literally getting ready for my first deployment. You know, I fly out to, to McGuire Air Force Base, which is out in New Jersey. And I'm getting on the C-17, which is nothing but a big cargo jet. There's literally nothing inside. So, like, I get on there. There's a tank strapped to the wall, not even on the ground, on the side of the wall. That's how big this aircraft is. Yeah. It's just, like, attached to the wall. There's a portage on, like, strapped in the middle of the fuselage. Okay? And there's me, and there's a skid with my dog in a crate. And that was it. Wow. There's two guys flying. And I'm sitting in this thing, and I'm like, man, I feel like I'm in a movie, this is the craziest thing. And I'm looking around like, is this real? You know, I get in my little jump seat. You know, they give you this little military blanket, which is terrible. It's just like this <laughs> really crappy blanket. It's about half the size of you. It's super like scratchy. <laughs> like what's the point of that? Point? Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And there's no heat in the aircraft. So when they're flying, like yeah. these things, you're freezing your ass off. Like you're just frozen. And you're literally shivering under this little tiny blanket that does nothing, you know? and when they hit, it's not like a, a regular jetliner. When they hit um, any kind of turbulence, the aircraft actually falls directly out of the sky down. Wow. So it will drop like 1,500 feet straight down. So you think you're dying. So like the first time I hit turbulence, I'm like screaming like, holy shit, we're going down, you know, because <laughs> I had no idea what was going on, right. you know, and they're you know, it, it, you're just sitting in there and you're coming up out of your seat. You know, you see your dog hit the top of the crate. You're mm -hmm. attached to this jump seat, you know. Yeah. But the craziest thing was when I was getting in the country, the guy's like, hey, they called me up front. And they're like, hey, you got to come up and check this out, you know. So I walk up to the front of the aircraft and you got to climb this little ladder, get on the second tier, walk up to the door, knock on the door. The guy's like, yeah, come in check it out, right? So I'm expecting to see like, you know, like you see movies, you know, two guys flying and they're like all dressed up in uniform. You're sitting in the back, chilling, drinking yeah. and playing cards. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, who's flying the plane? They're like, oh, it's flying itself. I'm like, what? No way. <laughs> no way. There's like, yeah, check it out. So I walk out into the, the, the front of the aircraft, really where the pilot sits and there's nothing. And right. I'm looking out at the Atlantic Ocean as we're flying through clouds and it's just water everywhere and there's yeah. nobody sitting there and i'm thinking to myself like this is crazy this is crazy this and they're like oh yeah we'll we'll, we'll land the plane don't worry but we got to get to germany first before we do anything because we're gonna hit germany and then we're gonna mm -hmm. get into iraq so uh once we get into germany and then we fuel up get a bunch of other people on there some more equipment then we're going into iraq and we're flying in and as we're flying in uh, they're calling out places to check out. They're like, oh, look at the left side. You're going to see this. You're going to see what we did over here. Mm -hmm. Showing you all like the little hot spots where we tore up stuff. You know? sure. And now uh, what they don't tell you is the landing. So as we're coming into the airport, right, they have to do this, what's called a combat landing. And this is to prevent themselves from getting shot down. So in order for them not to be hit by a SAM or an RPG, because they're a big aircraft, easy target, you know, if you put enough lead on an RPG, you could probably hit it. Right. Um, 
So a combat landing is basically putting the plane directly into a nosedive and then slamming it on the ground mm. as fast as you possibly can. So as we're coming in, this plane mm. just nosedives in towards the ground. Now I'm thinking we're hit because I'm like, oh God, we're coming down. I can just feel it. Right. Everything kind of shifts and you're looking at that big tank on the walls and there, you know, Abrams tank kind of getting shifted in there. Here we are coming nose down, right? Towards the <laughs> ground. I'm like, well, this is a short trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that's kind of end, going to end bad, you know? Right. And uh, we literally, he just slams the ass of that plane right on the ground and then we're down. And I just remember the door opening up and the hot air hitting me. And it, the best description I can give it is it's the smell of hot dumpster <laughs> and ass literally that's what it smelled like like it's a hundred and some degrees there it's that's like, just iraq in general yeah just in iraq and everywhere you go yeah oh, wow because everything that they have they store everything in the pile like there's yeah. no sanitation the same way huh. yeah it's just so it just smells horrible right so if you talk to any combat that's ever been in iraq they'll tell you the same thing that first initial smell when that plane door mm. opened up was it just hit you so hard and that's when i got real and i'm like like I'm really somewhere, you right. know, you get off the plane, there's helicopters and stuff flying around. You're seeing all these like troops marching in. You're like, this is so cool. You know, it's like, this is real. And I'm like, Oh, they're going to get real bullets, man. This is pretty sweet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, once we kind of got ourselves set up, like going back to where we started before with yeah. that story, um, there really wasn't any protocol because if you look back at the history of a dog handler, I mean, prior to um, the Gulf War, we used them in a different role. A lot of it was sentry duty in Vietnam. They put them on what's called the LPOP or a listening post, observation post, out in the middle of the jungle, basically listening for enemy troops and reporting information back so they can attack them or counter okay. them and such. Um, in this role, it was much different. So this role was really going out and looking for explosives. And that was the job. And, you know, here I am again, 17, 18 years old. I didn't really know what that meant, even though I kind of did. Sounds pretty damn dangerous. Oh, it was incredibly dangerous. Yeah. 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 And so you get out there and and my favorite part was when I first got initialed my gear, right? Because I get out there and I'm in a desert uniform and I'm feeling like kind of hot shit. And I'm like, yeah, this is pretty sweet, you know? Well, they hand me a helmet and what's called a flak vest. So it's a, basically it's like a armored vest, but it's not bulletproof. What it basically does is it prevents any, if you get, you know, attacked or something like that, mm -hmm. any kind of flak or shrap metal, it will stop to some degree. So, um, but it was green. So it was not desert color. It was actually camouflage jungle color. So I said, wait a minute, help me understand how this works. <laughs> I'm in a desert, I'm camouflaged, but yeah. my my vitals, my uh -huh. head, my helmet, and my organs are green. Isn't that making me more of a target? And they're like, no, you'll be good. Don't worry. The equipment's coming. It's on its way. It's, it's a little kind of slow. You it's know, on so back order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Amazon didn't get it here yet. You know? <laughs> so, so I get out there on my first deployment, and I'm like, you know, they're like, what do you do? So they're like, well, you just got to go out and start looking for explosives, you know? So I had no idea what that meant. I'm like, well, where do I look? They're like, out there. I'm like, well, out where? And they're like, you know, on the route somewhere. You know, mm -hmm. just walk around with your dog. Do dog stuff. Whatever you do. So I'm like, I don't really know what that is, you know. So 
here I am walking around my dog and I'm th- trying to think of what to do. I put him on a 30 foot lead tied around my waist. Cause I'm thinking, okay, I got to operate my weapon in case I get attacked. You know, that's yeah. pretty common as dog handlers will get popped off because it shuts down the whole thing. Like you take a dog handler out, you can basically stop an entire troop movement because the dog handlers point a lot mm. of the times, you know, they're clearing the route so the troops can get through. Gotcha. So, um, so you're out there kind of doing your thing and I'm walking my dog, walking my dog and he's doing his thing back and forth. And I'm like, well, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. There's really nothing here. It's like trash everywhere. And mm-hmm. Some rocks once in a while or a burned up vehicle or junk, you know, pieces of stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. So as I'm walking around, my dog sits down right in the middle of this road and it's a route that basically was a supply route. So it was really important to keep that route open to get like ammunition and, and food and water and stuff to the front line. So I'm walking and my dog sits down and that's how they respond in as, as explosive dogs in the comparison to like narcotics, which they would actually dig up the spot. Mm-hmm. So he sits down and I'm looking at him. I'm like, okay, I know that that's like the response, but like that can't be happening right now. Like yeah. I'm, I'm like 10 minutes into this route. Like mm-hmm. this is impossible. So I try to call him back. I'm like, come on, buddy, let's go, you know, get, get to work, you know? And he's like, no, I'm not moving, dude. I'm like, I'm staying here. Doing my job. Yeah. He's like, "Eh, I'm doing it. Here it is. You know? And I'm like, no, it can't be that easy. It can't be like this obvious. Mm -hmm. And I walk up to him, you know, here it is, you know, 30 feet behind him. I walk up to my dog and I look down, I see this like piece of wire kind of sticking out of the ground. I don't think much of it, you know, but I'm like, that can't be good. Right. Cause that's not common. You don't see that around Mm -hmm. here. So I call it in. And so basically it's calling the the unit behind you because I was attached to an army unit. And it's like, hey, I think I got something up here. Send up EOD. So EOD is basically the guys that you see in those like explosive suits. I think they made a movie back several years ago in the <laughs> 2000s about those guys. I mean, yeah. it really doesn't look that way. It was a cool movie, but mm-hmm. it's not real. Um, so they come up in their bomb suit. I call them the snorks because they have this big snorkel thing on the top. And uh, he comes out with a stick. Literally just a stick, you know, they have these robots now and all this like high tech stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cool. They're going to bring out all these gear. And they're like, he just comes out with a stick and he's like, grabs the wire, pulls the wire, yanks it up. And four warheads come up out of the ground. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy shit, I'm standing on top of that thing. Right. And he's like, yeah, we got a daisy chain thing here. He's like, you're pretty lucky, kid, because there's no like detonator because mm-hmm. it's set up for a cell phone. He's like, so nobody was around. Gotcha. It's like, otherwise you'd be like toast. So when you were like standing on that thing, were you like, if I move, like this thing might explode? Yeah, I had no idea. So I right. didn't know, like, because I don't know what that explosive looks like because yeah. I can't play around with it. You're trained not to move because right. if it has a pressure plate, which in, in a lot of times what they'll do is they'll just take two pieces of wood, wrap aluminum foil on it, and They'll basically put a door hinge on it so that if you step down on that thing, it will actually activate the plate. And then if you come up off of that, that's when it detonates. Yeah. yeah. So you were standing on that thing for hours. Yeah, I was on there for hours, man. Because when you call EOD, they're not like, you know, the next van over. Yeah. They come <laughs> over. Like, they're usually chilling on the base, playing like video games like, or something Hang on, like I got to eat my lunch first. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know, they're getting a haircut or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got to get ready for my big movie spot. You know what I mean? Right. Something like that. You know, so... And that's what they do. They hang out all day long and then they get called out. So I'm standing on this thing for hours. You like didn't they're, move? You didn't like I, walk I, around? No, man, you can't. My so, dumbass would have walked around. <laughs> well, all, what I was trying to do was like shift my weight in my boot, like forward and back so that I can kind of stay like standing, but at the same time, 
not come off of that because I was afraid, like, if I did, you know, that thing would go off. I had no idea what it was, you know, and I just stood there and they're like literally taking long sticks and putting bottles of water on it with duct tape, like handing it out to me, like, here you go, dude. <laughs> it's like really far. I'm like, thanks, man. I'm <laughs> drinking the water. And I'm just wow. standing there for it, it felt like days, but it was only a couple of hours, two, maybe three hours. And finally, EOD shows up. And like I said, they just tossed the suit on. And they were just like casual about it. Like, uh, you know, come out with the little stick. This doesn't warn anything big, you know. <laughs> they don't bring out the Johnny Five robot, anything cool. You know, all the tech that they got. Yeah. And he just pokes around and pulls it out. And sure. he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, you're good. You can go home now. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, shit, this got real fast. Yeah. Like, this got real crazy man so like after that i was like it was game on all the time because mm -hmm. i was like man i'm not gonna get lucky twice right you know and yeah. you know in in they're very sophisticated these bombs that they plant these ieds are very sophisticated a lot of times what they'll do is they'll plant two the first one is a distraction the second one's what get you mm. wow yeah they're smart they know what I'm they're sure. talking about. they watch yeah. you the whole time oh yeah they're just wow. standing around watching it and they can't really do anything about it. Definitely. So that was, that was a crazy That is a crazy story. Man. Yeah. And you were 18 years old? Yeah, I was 18, man. So like, oh I was like dumb and like I had no idea and I was right. just like, I was still like starstruck. I was like, whoa, man, I finally am G.I. Joe. Look at me, yeah. man. You know, like, this is so cool. I get a real gun and bullets and everything, right. you know, and then, you know, you have no idea that this stuff is actually happening. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just, you're dumb and you're the, what they call in the military, the FNG, the fucking new guy. Mm. You know, that's what you are because you come in, your uniform's all clean. You're like smiling, you're clean shaven. You're like, yeah, man, I'm just ready to rock. This yeah. is going to be awesome. You know, and then like after you're there for a month, you're like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants to kill you. And it's like, sure. it's not fun anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? So you yeah. always know the new guys and give them a little shit. Definitely. Yeah, it's fun. Cool. Walter, I got to... Turn the conversation to you. Yep. How did you, uh, how did you even like meet Joshua and, and kind of get into this group of doing these events? Have you done a lot of the, you did both Mission Mindset Adventure. You've done some Tony Robbins now. I don't know if you've done anything else, but how do you get introduced to Joshua or like this group? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I met Joshua at a cruise event, Outdoor Living um, in Chicago. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I was there. I, I think you were. Yeah. Yeah. And, he did a speech there uh and it was the first time like i had ever gone to something like that so he came in i think it was like the first day i might be wrong but he came in and he was just had a whole bunch of energy and yeah. made everybody start jumping around yeah to that. get to context this was like an outdoor living event yeah. so this is contractors landscapers yeah. lawn care those yeah. people put them together and it's kind of like a what like a six-day seminar and I they teach so. you how to build it the sales all yeah. that yeah. Jesse was there. Uh, right. We, yeah. we experienced that together. Okay. Yeah. So we created a brotherhood there and uh, with a whole bunch of other people that I still communicate with. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, Joshua. Um, so at first, I didn't really buy into it because I was really closed off. Man, and uh, I guess just the stage where I was at. Right. So, um, so I had a lot of doubts about stuff he was talking about. Um, and then just some of the guys uh, got into that and I asked them, I'm like, hey, you know, what are you doing differently? Oh, yeah, we got this going on with mm -hmm. him. And I was like, well, I got to do something. So because right. obviously mine hasn't 
wasn't working my business. It mm-hmm. was just I was growing a little bit each year, but right. it wasn't nothing that really shot up. Sure. And so I was like, I gotta do something different. And um I I forgot what I I don't remember if I contacted him or he sent us a message or something like that. But um eventually I I knew I had to do something because one, my business was failing, my family was failing, mm-hmm. uh, I was failing within like mentally, like I just didn't have that uh that drive. That drive, that uh clarity. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of stuff like that was that was going on. Mm-hmm. I felt like a failure. Um and I had a lot of people depending on me. Right. And um so we ended up s- signing up uh for an event. Uh I think it was in August uh in Colorado when I think that was the first one. Yeah. And he he allowed me to go to that. Um I didn't even have the money to wow. to be able to pay for it all. He let me go to the event and do it all. Mm. I think in payments and stuff like that. Right. And I was like, wow, this guy, like nobody before would ever help me in mm. any way because I I always had that mentality that I had to do everything myself. Um, and if I didn't have the money, I couldn't go any places or right. like that. So he allowed me to go to that and it just really opened up a lot of things uh, within me on that first trip. But I wouldn't say I was I fully exposed myself one hundred percent that first time because um it was still a lot of new things that were that were happening. Mm-hmm. Um so that second trip when we went to uh Arizona, right, uh that's when well, let's take it back. So on that on that Colorado trip, um I came back with a lot of stuff and I tried to make a lot of changes and Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of changes within myself and that was working out great. But then I tried to force those changes onto my wife uh, when we were separated. Mm -hmm. It wasn't working out. Um, And I tried to make changes with my kids at one point and that wasn't working out because she was telling them certain things and I was trying to do certain things. Mm -hmm. And it was just a lot of back and forth. So eventually I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I I have to do this for myself. That's who I have to do it for. And then everybody else comes after that. Like, yeah. because I had to be that base. Right. Um, to create something new mm-hmm. right, in, in my family. Definitely. So with my kids. So, so we started doing that. We started spending a lot of time with the kids. Like, uh, well, me, um, taking them out and doing activities and cutting back on the work because I was working way too much, too many hours, 14, 16 hour days, mm, you know, just no balance. Yeah. I didn't have a balance in anything. Right. So, um, we started doing that. And then, uh, eventually we, that other event came up the Arizona. Um, and then I decided I had to go to that. Mm-hmm. So there I was. Yeah. <laughs> and Jesse had, had said something earlier about I think it was whenever um that he wasn't prepared uh whenever some some of the things were coming up he he just kind of wings it he kind of was that, uh, that's kind of what I got from it he just kind of winged it yeah and I was doing a lot of that um in my business and in my family life right. and I got tired of winging stuff right <laughs> so um 
from there, that really a lot of the stuff uh, that we we did that one time uh, in Arizona. I decided that I wasn't going to wing things anymore, and I was going to start to look at things in different ways, and that really opened me up even more. Uh, I decided I didn't want to be just like uh, another lawn care guy or right. another Hispanic mowing or or somebody who's just doing it just to do it. Like I wanted to get, I wanted to be successful, um, and I wanted to create. Uh, I wanted to create uh, um, something special for my kids. Right. Um, and I realized I wasn't going to be able to do that unless I got out of the field and I created systems and not just in the, not create, not just create systems in the business, but create systems in my family life. Mm. So once I started doing that, everything's just been kind of going better and better nice. and it's gone better. And, uh, recently me and my wife, she went through a breakthrough recently and, uh, we got back together oh wow yeah it's, i didn't know that yeah it just Exciting. it's happened a few weeks ago oh, yeah wow. and it's it's been really tough because there's been a lot of tough conversations that we've had i'm sure um but she realized why i was going to those trips it it was to better myself and better the family right um and sometimes whenever we're kind of like have our eyes closed or we don't want to see that because we're just thinking about ourselves all the time, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's tough to uh, accept the fact that you're doing things wrong. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Joshua has helped me out way more than I think even I would say my parents have or anybody. I've, I've never had that mentor where um, I could be completely honest with them. And I'm not going to say it happened overnight. It took yeah. some time, but it, and it took some time because I never had that and it was just different. And I was always, I never liked change and I'm still working on that. <laughs> I'm still working on sure. being open to a lot of things, yeah. but uh, uh, I'm more open to suggestions. And whenever somebody says something, I don't take offense to it anymore. I don't mm -hmm. act like a victim. Um, and I try to see why they're telling me that. Um, so it's it's been a long journey. <laughs> yeah, man. And working every day on myself and on systems mm -hmm. and on my family. Yeah, man. It's been so cool to see how much you've improved and had big realizations and become aware of things. Now I'm curious, like mm -hmm. Walter, before um, even that outdoor living event at Cruises, and then Walter now like what's the difference like who like who was walter before and who is walter now the person that i used to be um i used to be a people pleaser um i wanted everybody to like me mm -hmm. and i used to put myself last in everything whether it be um financial stuff whether it be um i, I would literally like almost hurt myself to make other people ha happy. And uh, I just realized that I am the foundation for anything that I try to do 
in my future and I have to take care of myself and I have to take care of those closest to me. Mm-hmm. I can't make other people grow if I don't make my own, well, myself or my my people grow. Um, because why why am I going to, how am I going to make those people grow when I don't even know how to do that myself? Right. So that's that's what really changed. I love that, man. And, and uh, in that time frame, I would say it's been less than a year, but yeah, I'm working on that it's every amazing, day. Man. Yeah, thank I you. Love that. Yeah, crazy. It really is. Now we're all we're all business owners here, right? You're pretty new to the game, right? Yeah. You're you're uh, you're coaching. Yep, you're I'm doing some coaching. CrossFit coaching. Yeah, so I'm uh, doing a little bit of everything. So yeah. I, I got a life coaching kind of business okay. going on. I've got uh, both fitness, so it's right. functional fitness, as well as nutritional coaching, which okay. has just come on board pretty recently. Yeah. yeah. And you're in the outdoor living space. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of, you know, still lawn maintenance. Got it. I'm wondering, what's uh, what's like the biggest struggle in business that you you come in, the, in across? Uh, I'm still struggling. Like a, you know, feels like I'm, still beginning my business interesting you know um do you think that's the case or you think that's just like a belief that you have like almost like imposter syndrome well i think a little bit of both yeah you know um i once i started making money i would make really good money and what you know was it consistent a little bit Mm -hmm. um but i got comfortable right and I never allowed myself to to grow because I always banked on a certain type of income coming in, and so I, I it didn't allow me to grow. Like I wasn't facing, I was just comfortable on how my life was, and that was enough to pay the bills. I had a little extra money here and there. Uh, wasn't spending wisely, um, so I'd buy things that wasn't that we really didn't need personally mm-hmm. and for the business. Uh, I would have equipment just sitting in the yard, not even being used, but look what I got. Yeah. I have a couple of skidsters here and look at this dingo and look at this other new truck I got that we use it here and there, you know, and uh, it caught up pretty quick. And um, I'm, I'm learning that the hard way. And it, it really messes up with, with my mind because I'm like, man, how do I make money again? Yeah. It's like I'm focused on something else and I'm so scared. Like, how do I make money again? And I know I did it. I did it in 08, 09 when the whole uh, housing market like went down. And if I'm able to do it there, then and I'm able to do it now. Definitely. The only thing is difference. I have two little ones, mm. you know. So um, that definitely. Um, drives home a little bit harder uh, in my heart and mind and gets me a little emotional, um, mm-hmm. but it's do or die. Definitely. You know, so I have to come out a winner yeah, no matter what. The really big reason why now. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's why they're always like on my, yeah. my phone. Yeah. So when, when, when days are tough, my phone's right there. I look at it. Mm-hmm. And I see my little girl smiling at me. I was like, oh man, yeah. I can't disappoint her. Yeah, and yeah. also kind of reminds you how to have to have that work-life balance too. Yeah, in which I didn't have originally. Right. You know, I was always constantly working, working. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I found myself like, I need to do that because the time with them is so limited. And, you know, my son was born in 2015. 
2023 turns eight in July. And just looking at pictures in the past, my wife and I would talk. Time went by pretty quick. And mm. you start, I start feeling regretful because there's times I would tell him, I'm too tired to play right now. Yeah. And there's things that we would used to do when we first moved into our home. Like you like to wrestle with me, yeah. go to the ball mm. and play these all, like chasing games and stuff, hide and seek. Yeah. He doesn't do any of that anymore. Mm. He's focused with his friends, playing with them. He's seven years old. I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, I thought I had forever. Yeah, you don't get those moments back. No, yeah. no. So I'm trying to enjoy every single moment with my my daughter mm. uh, because I know it's going to go by pretty quick and pretty soon she's going to be doing her own thing. And, you know, they get caught up with, you know, a little bit of technology, which is a fault on our end as parents. But, um, you know, it's what everybody else is doing. That's how they connect with their friends, especially during the pandemic. You know, for them to see friends, they would FaceTime each other or play the game Roblox and, you know, talk to each other doing that. Oh, yeah. So it's like, okay, you give them a little bit of that, but then you get sidetracked and mm -hmm. they're just on that 24-7. There, there goes that whole night. Yeah. yeah. Like that dark whole evening night. and then it's dark and now you got to go to bed. Yeah. You missed that evening. I know. I know yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, uh, just enjoying the moment. So, you know, I always tell new parents, like, it's. It's because we, I was told this, but never took it to heart. They grow up pretty fast. Right. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, he's only seven, but still, I missed a lot of that time that I'm never going to get back. He's never going to want to wrestle with me the way he did. He's never going to, he can't jump on my back because if he does, he's going to hurt, hurt me really <laughs> bad. Now, you know, but uh, yeah, it's um, the time that I should have said yes, I said no. Mm. And it's with everything in life being uncomfortable and I'm too tired and make, make doing, you know, having all the, the complaints and, and, you know, excuses has, you know, so you need to, I need to overcome all those things and still, uh, to be a better father, uh, to them and be a better husband. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, it's still, I'm 43. I'm still, you know, creating my path. And Absolutely. get there. And like I said, I told people before, like, I could either be a martyr and complain about my life right now. Or, you know, God has a, a special plan for me. And I was, I'm meant to go through these things in my life right now. Yep. To learn yep. and, and grow because this is my story. Mm -hmm. Not anybody else's. Because yeah. it's so easy to compare. You know, so sure. easy, like with you, like, oh, look at what you're doing. Look at what Walter's doing. You guys are a lot younger than I am. And it's a really good point. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's their path. This is my path. Yep. You know, and you're, you show up at all these events, you know, you're, you're committed to getting, I try better. to. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a thing too, too. Like we could go to these, all these events. Right. And I've gone to them before and, and the breakthrough should have been for me at Colorado. Mm. Right. Not months after that. And the thing is, you could go all these events and uh, during, you know, Tony Robbins event right now, he even, they even said it, it's what, what you, what you do with it. Yep. You could get yep. all this information, but what are you going to do with it? It's like getting a brand new toy mm -hmm. and you just have it sit there. Yeah. You said you wanted to play with it, right? You For said you sure. wanted to use it. You're not using it. You just, I have it. Yeah. It said something the other day, like, uh, you know, these events, some people think that you go to one event, it's going to change your entire life, but that's normally not the case. Maybe it's a catalyst. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is more of like a lifestyle. You have to keep showing up to these events. 
and just get a little bit better. Take a like take one or two lessons from each one of them and then apply it to your life. And then it's really just in your rituals. It's being consistent. Yeah. And creating habits, yep. being disciplined, mm-hmm. which I'm learning. And I'm slowly doing that. And every little thing that I'm doing, I, I see it. Uh, I, I hired a trainer in July, right before I went to Colorado. I remember him telling, telling him that story. Hey, I'm going to Colorado. We're going to do a hike. Nothing big, right? Like, whatever, right? Yeah. And when I got back, I'm like, dude, that thing fucking killed me. Yeah. He's like, what'd you do? I said, I, you know, Grace Peak. He, he's originally from Colorado. Uh, he's like, you did that? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, if I would have known you would do that, I would have I told you, don't do that. Like, you're going to die. <laughs> you're not even ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank like, I thought it was just a hike, man. Yeah. You know, it's like Shit. how I do everything. Good like, thing he didn't because he probably would have scared you out of it. Oh, yeah. 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 And so, but with him though, he's, he's taught me so much. Um, and I can't thank him enough. I tell him that every day, like, you're not only a trainer, man, you're like a mentor to me and he's a lot younger than me. Mm -hmm. You know, he's 34 and he's taught me a lot of life lessons that I would never have learned if I'd never met him. It was that, that mind shift. I, I, I know I needed to make a change in my weight and I was tired the way I was looking. I said, fuck it, man. I'm just going to go find a trainer. I told him I'm going to go find a trainer and lifting weights or any other whatever, lifetime fitness. And I see the other trainers jumping on these medicine balls and doing whatever these crazy things. I'm like, I guess that's what I have to do to do the thing. Yeah. Right. And when I saw him, he saw a little, little guy. It's like maybe five, five or so. And mm-hmm. he's jacked, tattooed up and everything. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Who do I got this guy? Fucking meathead, right? And no. <laughs> He couldn't be the nicest guy. And I said, I told him that you're, you're probably one of the few men in my life that I consider a really like a true friend. Mm-hmm. You know, you're nice to me, but you're, you, you, you tell me that I'm, I'm what I'm doing wrong. Right. You're not scared. Yeah. Like you don't even care if I like walk out on you. Like, no dude, I'm telling yeah, you. Those are the this. real friends that can call you out on your shit. Yeah. 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 You need those people. Consistently. Mm-hmm. He always tells me that. Yep. I always go and woe is me because he would ask me, how's your day going? I'm like, eh. He's like, seriously? Like, mm-hmm. stop being, you know, stop complaining. Right. Right. Um, woe is me. Right. And he's like, but every single thing he, 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 he showed me, he told me, you're going to start losing weight. We're going to start just lifting weights. We're going to do it this way. Um, and we're going to do it. So when we started lifting weights, we started focusing more on my technique. I'm like, I already know how to do that. I'm not to no, I didn't. So different techniques. He was telling me how like bench pressing and stuff. And he's like, one day you're going to start, we're sort of building muscle. One day you're going to start noticing changes. It's not going to happen right away. And he's like, one day you're noticing like, holy shit, I lost all this weight. And I would have people tell me like around January, Hey man, what have you been doing? Nothing. Like, you look like you're slimming down a little bit. Um, I weigh the same. I haven't seen it, you know? Oh, okay. And about like a month, month and a half ago, I was so excited. I'm like, David, David, what you told me is actually coming true. Cause I'm, I'm seeing it now. And yeah. I weigh this now. And awesome. you know, I lost like, you know, total of 27 pounds already. And I'm a lot stronger than I was when I was 18. Wow. I thought, never thought that would happen. And to the point that he's wanted me to do like a, 
a powerlifting competition. Oh, really? <laughs> in my age group. I'm like an old man age group. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I'm not ready for that because he's an inspiring uh, bodybuilder. And his wife just uh, recently won a couple competitions and they're going to get their pro card, her pro card um, in Tennessee in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I say something? Yeah. Uh, you said you weren't ready to do that powerlifting stuff, but you weren't ready to do the Colorado trip. No, I wasn't. Yeah. So why can't you go do that? Right. You're right. Yeah, you never really get ready. But a big thing that he, that he taught me, though, he made me realize this and it hit, hit home really hard. That I was the person that was always trying to find a quick way mm-hmm. to get the point A to point B. Yep. The quickest way, whatever way it was, it was this, you know, do this way, do that way. I never wanted to work for it. Yeah. I never wanted to take the two little steps like in Colorado that, you know, Joshua told me right. two steps at a time. Would you rather have taken a helicopter to the top of the mountain? Hell or yeah. Would you rather take every step? No, I would have taken every step. But yeah. that was my mindset in business. Yeah. Because I always told them. I never, I, I could do the physical things, you know, like, like working out and lifting weights and do something like that. But when it came to actually running the business or doing the business the way it should be run, like I didn't want to do it. I wanted to find the quickest way. Give me the money. I'll figure it how to use it and spend it and save it. Yeah. It didn't work out. And he, t- it, it, he, he put everything, the gym, like how everything was like the gym consistency you keep doing what you're doing it, things are going to work out things are going to change your habits are going to change you're, you're going to be more disciplined and that's what my whole those seven months or since july working out with him has been consistency three times a week for an hour hour and a half sometimes you know um then you start eating healthy at first i'm like not eating healthy but then you start noticing these changes to make yourself feel better yeah. And then you're like, okay. And you add something else in there, like meditation, mm-hmm. uh, doing it in the morning and then at night and being consistent with it. Yeah. Um, it's going to break those bad habits. Exactly. You literally it, become a different person. Uh-huh. So, yeah. And like with, you know, with me, it's like God put this guy in, in my life for, for a reason. Because um, he's been through a lot of, a lot of shit. And mm-hmm. I was uh, telling Noah that I'm like, man, this guy's story, if I, if I told you his story, you would think I'm making this up. Mm. It almost sounds like a Breaking Bad episode, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's funny and how things work out and take a step back and it's time to shine, man. Sure, it's do or die. Because I don't know what happens in your forties. Well, to me, that I need to step up the step up the the plate and and go at it. Cool. Make, start making some swings. Yeah, so I'm gonna ask everybody this question. Um, what's the what's the number one thing that you want to accomplish in 2023? Could be a physical, could be with business, could be with family, whatever it is. What's the first thing that hits your soul? I want to start digging the financial mess that I created for my family, and and put us in a better position um, than we're at right now. Um, so it would need to be making more money. Mm-hmm. You have a number? It's, it's hard to to say it because you know the the mind wants to say you can't do that. Mm-hmm. It always does. Yeah, it always does. And you know, like being 
like $180,000 in debt. Trying to get rid of that as quickly as possible. That needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. You know, $180,000 needs to be wiped away this year. I love it. What do you got? Uh, so for me, it's impacting more lives. Mm -hmm. That's my goal. I love helping people. I love serving people. And I just want to impact as many lives as I possibly can. I know it sounds cliche or whatever, no, I love it. but yeah. it's just, it's something that like reaches deep into my soul. It's what I love to do the most. Yep. And I love experiencing people's transformation. Yep. So even hearing stories like you're sharing both of you guys, you know, it's like, it's amazing. Even though I wasn't at those events with you, like I'm sitting here, like hearing it vicariously. And it's just, it's awesome. I love watching the human condition and the experience and the struggle and, and that whole thing. And to be a part of it is such a gift to me. Like that to me is the best thing that I could possibly receive from someone. I love it. Yeah. You have like more of a, an exact goal, like as far as like how many people you want to impact, or like how you want to impact them. That's a great question. You know, um, I don't have a number cause yeah. I know obviously you want to kind of make this something tangible. Yeah. You know, so um, I think what I'd really like to do is to maximize the impact is maybe put on a seminar this year, okay. like some kind of like yeah. day thing where mm -hmm. people can come to it, you know, figure out a way to make it like just free. You know okay. I mean, just like, because again, I'm not driven by money, although I recognize and, and especially from this weekend. Yeah. Recognize the value of needing to have money, but I've never been a money yeah. person. Yeah. You know, what drives me is people definitely you know so i want to make this event something where people can come to it it doesn't matter what you have uh financially in your pocket mm -hmm. come learn and see if you can get something from it i love it yeah that's what i'd love to do That'd it's so cool. awesome so we're gonna see uh your own event by the end of the year oh absolutely you'll <laughs> okay. see something i've already got some things in okay. my head man working i love make it. sure make sure you bring zach yeah, for sure. Because he makes really cool videos. <laughs> makes you look really good. Oh, well, then I'm definitely me. bringing them. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. Well, I want to be there. Yeah. I mean, whenever we were talking upstairs and just the way you would light up, I could see it whenever you would tell stories about how people were transforming and stuff like that. It, I was just like, man. Like, yeah, that it, got pretty really deep. special. Yeah, it was, was really deep. special. Uh, and... I mean, I was looking at you like in your eyes and your eyes were like glowing and uh -huh. stuff and you, your face would light up and it was just like an amazing experience. And that's why I felt like I can open up to you also about some of the things about my son and my relationship. We were up there for a while. Yeah, we, it was great yeah. conversation. Yeah, and I, I totally see that. Yeah. I, I definitely want to be. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate you. it. You're yeah. definitely welcome. Well, everybody's welcome. One thing I got to say about this, what Walter just brought up is it's awesome that we're able to, we don't know each other yeah. from when we first came in here, but when we leave, it's like we're walking out as family, yeah. you know, and we're able to open up. Like, I can't talk to other strangers about my problems and shit, yeah. but I come here, I feel, I feel I'm, I'm people that I feel loved, listened to, no judgment. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So, you know, and yeah, it's like with my trainer, David, you know, you're going to, you don't want to hear those, those realities. Um, it's it's said for love like you know it's it's all it's all love yeah you know and you're always you feel, you feel like you could come 
to talk to any one of you guys and feel supported um, and, and, and someone to listen to you without being judged because you could go talk to someone else and right a minute, right a minute, right away you start feeling, oh, what are they going to think about me? Mm-hmm. Who are they going to talk about this to who or, or what? And not here, man. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. You hit the nail right in the head on that one. So, so for, I think for my, uh, the question that you had asked yep. before it was whenever I came, it was, it had to do with debt and fixing my business. Right. So as the event has been going on and we've been talking about creating wealth and like the difference between wealth and being rich. Um, I want to create wealth in my family because it's reunited again. Um, and I want to create a stronger bond and I don't ever want it to get to where it got before. Um, and then after that, um, focus on all the other financial stuff, but, um, the financial stuff in the past really broke us down. It really did break us down. Uh, it caused a lot of fights, uh, a lot sure. of arguments. Um, I felt like I wasn't understood because I was working a lot, but then uh, money was just coming in and out. Mm-hmm. And she didn't understand me because uh, I felt like I was there to support her, but she felt like I wasn't there for her or the kids. So I don't ever want to get to that level again. Um, and that's one of the things that I told myself. Um, my family is, that's that's where my wealth is at now. And then everything else is, once I started doing that, everything, all these other puzzle pieces just started coming together. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a great experience. Uh, and it's something that, I know a lot of people go through, but I didn't realize um, how many people like they just don't they don't want to feel exposed. They don't want to feel exposed, and they'll rather just eat it up. Let you know, just not even try to fix the problem. And they're like, "Oh, I'll move on to the next person or the next whatever." Thing I need to do to just forget about the past, right? Because at one point that was me. I was like, I don't even want to think about it. I'm, I'm just gonna do whatever I gotta do. But if you look at things that needs to be fixed, and you look at yourself, and do the right changes, it comes in time. Sure. So what what exactly is the goal? To create a bond with my family that's mm. even stronger. Yeah. So that's that's wealth for me. Yeah. That's well. So important, man. Yeah. Yeah. So my goals, I mean, I want to run a 50 mile race. This I, I already signed up for it. So that's, that's like a tangible one, but I also want to grow, uh, you know, the podcast brand is the right now show. Um, and that, that brand's all about inspiring my generation, people in their twenties, helping them find their purpose. Um, and then I have a brand new where I help people share their stories to the world. Um, so I don't exactly have any like tangible goals for that. I just want to grow those brands. But on top of that, I think my number one goal this year is just to grow my family and, you know, like grow this, grow the tribe, grow, you know, all these tribes. And, you know, with that, I mean, that's everything, you know what I mean? 
Um, cause I mean, it comes, there, there so many opportunities come from that, you know, you're just building your network and yeah, money comes with that, but that's, that's, that's the, that's the least thing on, on there, you know, the, the real relationships and the opportunities and experiences you get from that just by growing your family and surrounding yourself with people that, you know, you love and people that are going to support on you and call you out on your shit. I think it's so important. So yeah, that's my number one goal is just trying to grow my family, grow my tribe. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, anything else you guys want to say before we end it? Well, I, I do actually. I want to say okay. this to Jesse. You're not too old to be a power lifter, bro. For first of all, I'm <laughs> older than you. Okay. So that's not an excuse. So go for it, man. I'm able to bench four or five, three times. That's amazing. 43. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't spot four or five. I, 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 I could, I could barely lift three fifteen in high school. That's amazing, man. Wow. And you I gotta do it. I would do that. You gotta do it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you need two spotters for that. Yeah, I would not be. Well, I told them though. Like, I want to get four or five at least ten times. My ideal is to get four ninety five. So I want five plates on that yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So if you're doing it three time, you're already at like three twenty five for as a PR probably. No, I'm benching four or five three times or four twenty five then. Yeah. You're, that's your well, probably I, your I, PR. I use like little. Yeah. I don't but he just tells me either you can, this is what we're going to do today. I'm yeah. like, huh? Okay. Yeah. But if and you're moving it three it. times, you can move it one time probably for and I'm finally, 15, 20. I'm not, a, I, I can't really squat that, that good. So what we do is a bunch of hack squats. Mm-hmm. And so I'm able to put five to six plates on each side and do that for like a set 10 to 12. Hey, listen, right after this, <laughs> I'm going to show you something that's going to make that squat. Awesome so like, I've you. never had like knee wraps before elbow. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 Yeah, you gotta have all that. You gotta record that that and put it on your Instagram. Well, that's why I told him, like, dude, I want a tripod and stuff. He's like, you gotta do it now because he does a lot of content on YouTube too. Yeah, not YouTube, uh, Instagram, uh, because he's trying to grow his business. And he's like, you're the oldest athlete I have. I'm like, I didn't know I was part of your athlete like club. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, but yeah, it's like um, when I got here, you know, uh, it was Ace and and Noah. I was like, yeah, I know about you, the video and stuff. Like, holy shit. People that I meet that he that he trains also like you Jesse, <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, David talks a lot about you. He's a celebrity. No way. Yeah, <laughs> that's so celebrity. cool. That is cool. I feel like I'm the old man in the group. I've always had younger friends <laughs> or older friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the I'm the oldest one now. Yeah, <laughs> that was so funny. Uh, Joshua's kid, uh, <laughs> he just like showed his phone and it says, can I have a Sprite? <laughs> that's, that's Walter's fault. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, that's so funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's, right. It's brilliant. You know, you yeah. I've been brilliant. bringing all the snacks into this. <laughs> yeah. I might get in trouble. All the sugar. All the sugar. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Sweet, I bro. think that's awesome, man. That's Thanks, really, man. That's yeah. fantastic. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting up with you guys. And, uh, yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. It's, it's been a, this event's been awesome, and it's so cool to connect with you guys. And uh, yeah, let's sign off. Yeah.